What a great God we serve. Just as we go through seasons, we also go through seasons in life. You know, sometimes life is springtime and it's, it's a wonderful time when things are coming alive. And sometimes it's the summer. Sometimes it's the winter. But God is always God. Through every season of life, amen, through every trial, God is still on the throne. And I'm so glad that you're here today. I turn your attention to the book of Isaiah, chapter 12. And we begin reading in verse 3. Isaiah chapter 12 uh, and verse 3. I want to read one verse to you from the Old Testament and then turn your attention to the New Testament and read one verse from the Gospel of St. John. But first, Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. Therefore, with joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And then also looking in the, the Gospel of St. John chapter 7 and reading from verse 38 and then verse 39. John chapter 7 verse uh, 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then verse 39 gives further clarity to that. But this spake he of the Spirit, capital S, referring to the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, those terms being interchangeable, was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He said there's going to come this river of living water which is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And it's going to flow from your innermost being. Isaiah also talked about that same thing whenever he said, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. All of these scriptures come together to let us know that God has an artesian well of his holy presence and spirit that is available for every single individual. But how do we partake of that? That's what I want to talk to you about today under the title of this, The Secret Formula. Everybody say, The Secret Formula. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. About 80% of Americans use WD-40. The spray which comes in the familiar blue and yellow can with a narrow red straw stuck into its nozzle. For dispensing. It was originally developed in 1953 to prevent corrosion. WD-40 literally stands for Water Displacement 40th Attempt. <laughs> See, if nothing else, you learned today what WD-40 stands for. Water Displacement 40th Attempt. If at first you fail, then just keep on. You'll succeed. Water displacement, 40th attempt. That's the name straight out of the lab book that was used by the chemist who developed WD-40 back in 1953. The chemist's name was Norm Larson. He was attempting to concoct a formula to prevent corrosion, a task which is done by displacing water because water causes corrosion. Norm's persistence paid off when he perfected the formula on his 40th try. Mr. Larson then sold the formula, which he had kept secret, and his company for $10,000. Yeah. 
just a few years later. Today, WD-40 is used for everything, from removing sap and tar and adhesives from various surfaces to cleaning tools and equipment. My father-in-law, Greg Golden, uses WD-40, Neosporin, and Windex for every possible... I honestly believe if you have Windex, WD-40, Neosporin, and duct tape, you can survive almost any situation. <laughs> What's interesting about WD-40 is that it's the company's only product, and its secret formula was never patented. So competitors could never discover what's in it. That's the problem with getting a patent, is you have to, discard, you have to disclose what the formula is. Well, they never got it patented, so they never had to disclose what its formula was. The revered formula has been sitting in a bank vault for years. It was taken out once when the company changed banks. And again, when the company's CEO, armored and riding a horse, brought it out for the company's 50th birthday and then quickly rode back to the bank and put it back in the bank vault. To further protect the formula secrecy, the company mixes the substance in three different cities around the globe, then passes it on to its manufacturing partners so that no one actually ever has the total formula. Now, if you're not familiar with WD-40, perhaps you're familiar with Krispy Kreme donuts. This Southern Delight's origins reach back to 1933 when a man named Ishmael Armstrong bought the Krispy Kreme donut shop in Paducah, Kentucky from Joe LeBeau, who was a Frenchman from New Orleans. The purchase included the shop's secret donut recipe, which Armstrong and later his nephew, Vernon Rudolph, who grew the business into what we know it is today, kept this secret to themselves. More than 70 years later, that recipe is still under wraps, locked in a safe at the company headquarters in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where only a handful of employees have access to it. Well, it isn't too hard to figure the recipe out, especially if you take a peek at the ingredients that are listed on the dry donut mix. But what makes the donuts so popular isn't strictly their ingredients. How many of you know what makes Krispy Kreme really popular? Hot, I hear all of you saying it. <laughs> it's their ability to deliver the product fresh. And they have that little sign that flashes hot, hot, hot. And when you drive by it, there's like some sort of force that pulls you into the, oh, I got a witness in the house today, <laughs> pulls you into the parking lot. They, they somehow have developed this process that allows these light donuts to roll off the assembly line nice and warm into your waiting hands. I can taste them just talking about them this morning. <laughs> it took a while to perfect, but this process, which is also a secret, is more critical to the chain's success than the recipe itself. In other words, the recipe of what goes into a Krispy Kreme donut is not necessarily that big of a secret, but the process that they use to deliver it to you hot and fresh is still a secret. And then finally, the third one that I want to share with you today is one that you may be familiar with. Rumors persist that it's simply Thousand Island dressing, perhaps with some pickle relish thrown in. Others cry foul, surely it's more than that. But the secret recipe known as the Big Mac Special Sauce is so secret 
that it somehow got misplaced, as in lost. Can you imagine losing the recipe to the Big Mac special sauce? Well, folks, that's exactly what happened. Sometime in the 1980s, it was the restaurant chain's own fault, McDonald's. They wanted to cut costs, and so they created a cheaper special sauce. You say McDonald's wouldn't do that, but they did. They wanted to create a cheaper product, believe it or not. So during the switch, the original recipe was lost. But no one knew because they weren't using it anymore. They were using this, this cheaper one, this new one. But years later, a, a former executive was brought back into McDonald's to increase their sales and business and so forth. He returned to the company. And the first thing you want to do is, we got to bring back the original sauce. We got to get back to the original secret sauce. Where's it at? Where's the formula? That's when employees realized that the recipe was missing. We don't know where it is. Fortunately, the executive knew who had produced the sauce 36 years prior. They contacted the company, which still had the recipe in its records. So though McDonald's had lost it, the company that had produced it kept the records. See, folks, all those things that you're keeping, all those papers, I just want to send a message out to my wife right now who is watching in the New Life Center. All those papers, honey, that I have been hoarding and keeping all of these years, one day it's going to pay off. <laughs> How many of you have a hard time throwing away something because you're like, as soon as I throw it away, I'm going to need it. Well, this company still had the original formula, and McDonald's brought it back in the original secret special sauce was back. These are items that are in our modern day culture that we're familiar with that have a quote-unquote secret formula. But it appears that the crucial ingredients for a secret formula are threefold. They must be protected, they must be fresh or current, and they must be valued. In other words, it must meet a need of some sort that we have in our humanity. Well, Isaiah in the Word of God makes it clear that there are these wells of salvation that are available to humanity. I would say to you today that this well, this springing waters, as it were, is something that is valued, it meets a need in our humanity, it is fresh or it is current. There is nothing that satisfies a longing soul like the artesian well of God's Spirit flowing through us and in us. It's as real today as it was 2,000 years ago when those people in the upper room received the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It's still just as current. It's still just as fresh as a hot Krispy Kreme donut. When you and I come into the house of God, God doesn't give us stale bread. He doesn't give us stale donuts. He gives us a fresh word of God that's hot. Sometimes the word of God is so hot we can't hardly handle it. It's like... <laughs> But I'm glad that the Word of God not only encourages us, but it also reproves us and says, hey, get your act together. 
That's the word of God. It's fresh and it must be protected. Ladies and gentlemen, I say to you today, we must protect what God has given us. It is valuable. The fact that you and I can gather together in the house of God and lift up holy hands unto the Lord and we feel the sweet presence of God is the most valuable resource in, in this world today. It's more valuable than all the diamonds and all the mines of Africa. It's more valuable than all the gold. I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, the fact that you can feel God no matter what you're going through, you can call out to God in a midnight hour when you've got a need. Hallelujah. There is a God, hallelujah, that can be reached by the prayers of your mouth that are sent up to heaven and the prayers of your heart. Jesus referenced these wells when he talked about these springs of living water. I remember when I was a boy and my buddies and I used to like to ride motorbikes and we would go ride way out in the woods and we found one time an old well that was out there. It was just water that was coming up. It was like a spring and it would be hot and we'd be riding out there all day and it would get, you know, how Florida summers are and and it would, it, we would find that spring. And boy, I can remember we would put our hand up under that thing and we would drink those cold waters and it felt so good. It was a refreshing. And I've always been, you know, reminded of that because it didn't look like anybody knew where this well was. It looked like it was sort of tucked away. It was hidden back in there. But it was so refreshing. It met a need. We were hot. We were thirsty. We were tired. But when we drank of those waters, boy, it would give us enough, you know, energy to get us through the second half of the day and I'll never forget that because when I begin to read these scriptures I begin to think about that's what the Lord does for each and every one of us he gives us something that meets a need it is something that every one of us in our heart and in our soul we were created by God and he left a piece of the puzzle out and whenever we find this well when we find this this joy this secret formula we are able to find what our soul has been longing for. You can't find it in alcohol. You can't find it in addictions of the flesh. You can't find it in drugs. You can't find it in immorality. You're not going to find it in money or position or power or prestige or affluence or a new relationship or a new car or a new house. You've got to get to an altar and say, God, I've tried everything else. I need you. It's these rivers of living water that are flowing it's the Spirit of God. It's how he described what the Spirit of God would be. It would be these, these rivers of living water. This is what I want to talk to you about today. Let's see if we can discover the secret formula because I don't believe that God intended for these wells, for this joy to be a secret. Everybody's got a Bible, so it shouldn't be a secret. But somehow it's tucked away back in there and the devil tries to hide, I think, from people so they... We'll try to find other things to put it back in there. But I'm going to tell you what, folks. You've got to go back to the original source. When McDonald's lost that formula, they had to go back to the original source that created it. And when they got back to that original source, that company that created that special sauce, they said, yes, we do, in fact, have that formula. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people are trying to serve. Uh, they're trying to get through life without serving God. But you've got to get back to the original source you got to get back to the one who created you. When you have lost your way in life, you've got to get back to the original source, the creator. you got to get back to God. He designed you. He's the one that knows your DNA. He gave you your gifts. He gave you your spirit. He breathed into you the breath of life. And ladies and gentlemen, he knows what it takes for you to live a happy, fulfilled life that's full of purpose and power and passion. You've got to get back to the originator. 
the source for all of that joy and the source for abundant life. And ladies and gentlemen, it is God. He created us. He designed us. He has the original formula. You're not going to find it in anything else. You're only going to find it in the Word of God. You're not going to find it in anything that this world has to offer. You're not going to find it with any kind of demonic spirit or what it would try to offer. You know why? Because those are not the creators. They're not the original source. You've got to go back to the creator. You've got to go back to the original source. Unlike WD-40 or Krispy Kreme, you cannot buy it. I said you cannot buy it. In Acts chapter 8, there was a, a sorcerer or a wizard. His name was Simon. He lived in Samaria, and he, he had, uh, we would talk about maybe black magic or demonic uh, forces were working in his life, and he could, he could do different tricks and all that, and he would try to use it to control the crowd. Well, they had a big revival that took place in Samaria. Philip was a young preacher who had been dispatched from the church in Jerusalem. He went up there, and, and boy, they started having tremendous revival, and people started getting saved and full of joy and full of the Holy Ghost, and and then uh, Peter and John, they were leaders, you know, obviously in the church in Jerusalem. They came down in Samaria to see what all was going on. That, boy, I tell you, Philip was having this big revival. He went down there, and boy, it was just turning the whole place upside down. And Simon, he come over there when he realized that, you know, Peter and John and the guys from, from uh, Jerusalem had come down. He said, man, I want to know, what is this power? I'm willing to pay good money for it. I, I want to know what this power is that y'all have. I want to know what the secret formula is. Because, you know, these people, I, I, I used to control with all my, my little tricks and my demonic powers and my black magic and all that. I, I thought I had them all. But you know what? This is something different. That's right. You're right, it is, Simon. But you know what Peter told him? You can't buy it. This thing's not for sale. Simon was worried because he knew he was going to go out of business. The creator always puts the copycats out of business. <laughs> I said, the creator always puts the copycats out of business. You can see that even in the book of Acts. I believe it's 19 when they, uh, Paul was having that great revival in uh, Ephesus. And all the makers of the little idols of Diana and all that, they are all the silversmiths and the blacksmiths. And they said, man, we make a lot of money selling these little idols. And here comes this guy and he's, he's saying, hey, people can know the Lord for themselves. They don't have to have our statues. They're going to put us out of business. I'm going to tell you what, folks. You get a hold of God. It'll put all of sin out of business. I said, it'll put all of sin out of business. A few years ago, we went down to the Dominican Republic. We'd been there before and built a church down there. We had a group of men go down, and we built a church in the roughest area of Porta Plata, a city that's on the north coast of the of, uh, Dominican Republic. And we built a, uh, a church down in this area. And they said, don't even, walk, don't even walk 10 feet away from the church. This is such a bad area. Man, they got pimps and prostitutes and, and drug pushers. There's all kind of, you, you'll get killed. Don't even, I mean, while we were having the church dedication, they broke into our bus. I mean, right while service was going. I mean, this was a rough area. You couldn't walk 10, 15, 20 feet away from the church. We had to go right from the bus into the church, from the church to the bus. We had to all move together in groups. I mean, we were in a bad part of town, boy. It was a rough area. And the missionary told me, he said, man, he said, since y'all built that new church, we've been having revival down there. I said, really? He said, oh, man, we got all kind of people coming in and getting saved and all that. He said, all the drug pushers have moved out of that neighborhood. He said, all the sin, all the places of ill repute, the city mayor, they come and talk to us and say, can you build one of these churches in every one of these neighborhoods we're having problems in? Because ever since y'all had a church in that area, 
It has put the drug lords out of business. I'm going to tell you what. You get a hold of what God's doing, it'll put sin out of business. Oh, I'm glad to know what the real joy of life is. It's not a drug made from something that man has concocted. There is a formula that comes from the Word of God. And when you get a hold of it, it'll change your life. It'll make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. But you can't buy this formula. It's not for sale. You can't steal this formula. So you got to start with the originator. you got to go back to the book. You say, why go back to the book? Because the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, God created us, right? And if this is His Word, then this is where we're going to find that original formula. The source is the Creator, and the Bible is the formula, because this is the work of the Creator. So the Bible says this, holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So the secret formula is in this book. This is more valuable than WD-40. This is more valuable than Krispy Kreme donuts. You eat Krispy Kreme donuts, you'll get fat. You drink of this water that God has blessed us with. It'll make you fat spiritually, but it won't make you fat physically. God's taking all the calories out of it. Woo, hallelujah. You can drink of these artesian wells of God's blessings, hallelujah, and you can't get too much of it. The more you get, the more you want. Oh, hallelujah. I think that's why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Boy, I love to eat Five Guys hamburgers. I love to eat big old thing of Domino's pizza. I love to eat as much as anybody else, as you can tell. But I'm going to tell you what I enjoy more than all of that is when I get in a Holy Ghost service where the Spirit of God is moving and the sick are being healed. Oh, hallelujah. And the lame are walking and God is pouring out His Spirit and the Holy Ghost is falling. How do we get it? It comes to us from the Word of God. We got to figure out, first of all, we got to go to the source. You got to go to the right source. And then you got to figure out how to extract it and apply it to your own lives. The water's flowing. We know that. How many of you know the Holy Ghost has fallen? We know that it's, it's, this, is, this is the church age. This is the time that God is pouring out His Spirit to everybody. So the water is in the well. But how do we get it in our lives? If I'm dying of thirst, I need it in my mouth. I don't need it just in the well. The well's not going to help me unless I got something that can transport it from the well into my spirit. Isn't that right? We got to know how to extract it. Well, we have established that the source is the Word of God, and the source is God as our Creator. He created us. We didn't come from monkeys and amoebas and all that nonsense. That's all a big lie. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Now, here's, here's what we do know. We know that in the beginning, from Genesis 1-1, God created heaven and the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, God created you and I. We were created in His image. Now you say, why does man not want... Well, the man don't want to believe that because man has to give an account to God. If God created man, then man has to give an account to its creator for its actions. Well, man don't want to do that. If man say, we just come from an amoeba and jumped in the fish around there and ran around, around calls, calls, and you got this and that, and all of a sudden, he's jumped up on two legs and started running around. That's where man came from. Then man can do whatever's right in his own eyes, and he don't have to give an account to nobody because he's just an animal. But you're not just an animal. 
you got a soul. you got an eternal presence of God that is in you. And when God created you, you're not Shamu the whale. And you're not some spotted owl. And you're not some sandhill crane running around pecking on people's cars. You are a human being created in the image of God. And God breathed the breath of life into you. Amen. I hate them sandhill cranes. They run around and they, they see their image in your car and so they think that's another bird and they peck, peck. I walked down here one time and one was going up and down my car just pecking all the way down and taking the paint off of it. I'm like, get out of here. And you can't scare them things away either. They'll look at you like. I actually had one at my front door one time knocking. I thought it was somebody was knocking on the door. And I got a glass door on the front of my house and it was a sandhill crane, one of them sandhill cranes. He was on the glass. Open it up, and there's a bird standing there. I'm like, what do you want? He's like, <laughs> it's amazing to me that people will want people want to they want to protect animals, they want to protect turtles, and kill the unborn. I don't understand what's going on. But you know, the Bible says, professing yourself to be wise, you become fools. Man can get so caught up with his own intellect that he thinks he's smarter than God. That's a bad place to be. That's what happened with the Tower of Babel. God gave them all a different language. They couldn't work together no more. I'm going to tell you what, God can humble anybody. You better not get too caught up with yourself, ladies and gentlemen. He can bring you to your knees in a split second. I don't understand people get arrogant with God. People get to be big rock stars and big actors and all this, and they think they can stand on stage and shake their fist at God. God gave you life. He can take life from you in a heartbeat put you on the ground. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was this big bad king of Babylon. He only had a big image made of himself. He thought, I'm a king. Everybody kneel down and worship me, blah, blah, blah. And God took his sense away from him. He was like an oxen. He was, his nails grew long. He was running around like an animal eating grass. God can turn you back up, upside down, take away everything. that I'm going to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, every day you live, you ought to say, God, you've been good to me. You have blessed me. And while I've got breath in these lungs, I'm going to praise you and worship you. I don't deserve all of the blessings that you've given me. But God, I say thank you. It's Thanksgiving week. I feel like preaching. We ought to be thankful every day. God, you've been good to me. Mm. So we've established that God is the source. We know that the formula is going to come from the word. How do we secure that? Now here's what Isaiah said. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now that's important to understand because draw is what we're looking for. That means to move it towards you. It appears that joy is the bucket that brings it up out of the well and into your own life. Joy is what makes it portable. At first glance, though, this may appear to be a catch-22. We need the joy bucket to get the joy that comes from the well of living waters. So if I need joy, how do I use joy to get joy if I don't have joy yet? Doesn't that sound, sound like a catch-22? If you got the joy bucket, you can get the well water, and the well water's got joy in it, but i got to have the joy bucket to get the well water that's got the joy in the well. Somebody said, you know, you'll, you'll feel better if you start acting like you're better. Well, yeah, that's true, but I don't feel better yet. Yeah, but if you act like you feel better, you'll feel better. Yeah, but I got to feel better before I can act like I feel better. 
I mean, this stuff can get complicated. It may all sound good in theory, but something's got to get this ball rolling. <laughs> Once again, ladies and gentlemen, the answer's in the scripture. The secret formula. When Rebecca told him, you read about this in the book of Genesis, Abraham, now watch this, he wanted a wife for his son, Isaac. So he sent his servant, his servant back to the land of their nativity, back to their origin. Now, see, once again, he's saying, for me to get the right wife for my son, back then, you know, they picked the spouses for their children. He said, we got to go back to the original place. Ladies and gentlemen, for all of you single folks, you want to get the right spouse? You don't need to find somebody hanging out at a bar to be your spouse. You got to get back to the Word of God. You got to get back to the house of God. Boy, I feel a whole marriage seminar spirit coming up on me. I don't have time for all that. But they got back, and he, so he sent his servant, and the servant's like, How am I going to know who to pick? I don't know nobody here at this place. He rode a long way, he's got a whole caravan of camels. They all went. He said, Lord, I don't know how am I going to get, get all this. I don't know all these people. He's praying the whole time. I, I got to pick it. If I pick the wrong one, Abraham's going to fire me, and I'm going to lose my job, and i got to go to this place. I don't know anyone. i got to pick somebody. How do I know who to pick it? So he just sort of fleeced the Lord. He said, Lord, if a person comes out that's a female, <laughs> threw that one in, <laughs> and offers to water not just give me a drink of water, but also my camels. Do you know how thirsty camels can get after a 10-day journey across the desert? And the typical caravan had between 5 and 10 camels in it. They estimate that it would take 200 buckets of water to water these camels. And this guy says, I know the right wife whenever she offers not just to bring me water, but also to water my camels. Woo, that's going to be a lot. So the servant shows up in the well. You know, that's kind of like where town square was. Everybody had to go to the well. Why? Because you couldn't survive without the well. There's another sermon. <laughs> Getting a lot of sermons up here, folks. Back in the old days, the whole city was centered around the well. You go to some of these old churches in Europe, the whole city is built around the church. We got to get back to putting the church the center of our lives. You got to make the well the center of your life. Well, even the strangers, everybody came and had to have the well because the water is what gave them the ability to survive. So they all gathered there, and Rebecca, she comes running up. Hey, she don't even know this guy. Can I get you something to drink? Oh, that'd be awesome. And I'll water your camels. Back and forth, up and down. They had a big old bucket. It was heavy. Water's heavy, you know. And to get this thing, she'd have to go down into where the well was, which is way, of course, lower than where the, and go up and water and fill up this trough. They estimate some 200 trips that Rebecca, Rebecca made. And as she's going all the way down, coming all the way up, going back to that, the servant's sitting there going, thank you, God. Woo, this is the one. Now, what did we know about this that, of course, Rebecca married Isaac and, 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 and so forth and, and Jacob and all that took place from that, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
She was the one. But she was willing to serve somebody that she did not even know. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you a little secret about myself today? Since we're giving out secret formulas. I don't really think this is a secret. The most joy that I get in ministry is going into third world countries and serving people that I don't even know. And those of you that have been with me, and those, those of you men, and we had over 40 people that went to Honduras last year, that children's orphanage, we're going to Haiti and Guatemala next year. And everybody that has gone with us, they have the same experience. We go down there to serve these people, we go down there to help other people, and we end up getting ministered to more than we minister to them. Now here's the secret formula in all of that. There is joy in serving. Now, that doesn't make sense to people that don't know God. Because if you're just operating in the flesh, you're like, I get joy out of being served. Boy, I tell you what, when I sit down and put my feet up and kids and the wife and everybody starts running around getting me stuff, whoo, that's a lot of joy, boy, I feel good. No, the real joy in life is serving. But you don't know that until you take the bucket of serving and put it to work. So back to my original premise, how do we get joy? How can we use the joy bucket to find joy? Well, everybody can start out serving. You will find joy in serving. That's why we have a connect class and then we have a serve class. Because you know what? Your joy in serving God will not be just coming and being here on a Sunday morning service. Your joy in serving God is getting involved. What a great church we've got too. When Brother Leroy Burroughs died earlier this year and he passed away and he was our janitor for some 30 plus years in this church, people just started volunteering. People that were new to church, people that had been here a long time, everybody just started volunteering and they're still doing it to this day so we can take care of Sister Burroughs. You know what that tells me? People have learned along the way that there's a lot of joy in serving the house of God and the people of God. There's joy in that. And if you've not discovered that, that's a secret formula you've got to tap into. You will find joy if you learn the joy in serving. That's the bucket. That's the first part of the bucket. Now, there's more things that we learn about as we go into this because serving brings joy. Serving somebody that you don't even know. That brings joy. That brings part of that well of living water into your own life. But there was a time when David and all of his men were in battle. And they were fighting against all, you know, these different enemies. And he, he was just exhausted. He said, oh, if I could just have some water from the wells of Bethlehem. He had grown up. Again, he was trying to go back to his place of origin. He'd grown up around those wells of Bethlehem when he was a shepherd boy tending his father's sheep. And he said, man, if I could just have some water. Well, the enemy was all around him. But he had these mighty men that were just fearless. And they were so loyal and dedicated to David. They said, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go and get you some water. And they fought their way through the enemy lines and they got to those wells of Bethlehem and they filled up, you know, whatever they carried that water in and they brought it back, fought their way back through the enemy lines. And David was so humbled by all of that. He said, you've risked your lives for this. I can't drink this water and poured it out on the ground. Can you imagine what those men thought? (laughs) They risked their lives carrying that water. And they see it fall out on the ground? No! But they recognized. They were still loyal to David. You know what David was saying? David was saying, I can't drink of this water when you risked your life for it. I don't deserve that. One thing we do know about these men, they did it because they had found joy in it. In other words, there's not just joy in serving. There's joy in sacrifice. That's how you get that joy bucket in your hand. You learn the joy in serving and in sacrificing. And that's what gets joy going. 
And joy, the Bible says in Isaiah, is the bucket that draws water out of the wells of salvation. So what does that tell me? I've got to find joy. And the way that I find joy is learning to serve and to sacrifice and to give of myself. And when I do, God will give me joy. Unspeakable joy. We used to sing an old song when I was a kid growing up in church. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That comes from serving. That comes from sacrificing. So we know that that's part of what transports the water from the wells into our own lives is joy. And we know how to find joy through serving and sacrificing. But Jesus told us of another instrument that will transport the miraculous. In Matthew 17, he said to his disciples, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could speak to the mountain and it would be removed. You could speak to it. Faith, ladies and gentlemen, is also an instrument of transportation. Just as joy is an instrument of transportation that brings the water out of the wells into our own lives, then the Bible also lets us know that faith is also one of those things that moves mountains. If faith can move mountains, then faith is what activates the Spirit and the presence of God into my life. We know that God fills the atmosphere. We know that God is on the throne. But God wants to be in our hearts and in our lives. So what brings him into our heart and in our lives? Again, faith can look like a catch-22. You say, well, I'll have faith if I can see a miracle. But yet i got to have faith to get a miracle. But yet I need a miracle to get faith. See, it's kind of like joy. It's, well, how do, I, how do I have it? How do I get it? If I need it, to experience what I haven't seen, and I haven't seen a miracle to believe, but yet i got to have faith to believe for the miracle. Kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, the Bible said to Doubting Thomas, you saw and you believe, but blessed are those that see not and yet believe. How do I believe if I haven't seen it yet? Aha, that's a good question. That's why it's called faith. Faith. Is something that you can experience. You say, well, how do I experience it? Well, just like we talked about serving and sacrificing is what brings joy there, even though there may not be joy there originally. Well, what gets faith going in your heart and my heart? Well, first of all, understand this. The Bible says that God has given to every man a measure of faith. Okay? So God's given you faith. When you were born, you had a measure of faith. You did. You trusted. You believed your, your mom and dad. and they, you know, they t- you, There was trust that was already there. A child that is born automatically trusts. There's a measure of faith that's put in there. Now, the world will try to extract and get you to trust in the wrong things, but there's a measure of faith that's given. And the Bible said if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, that mustard seed is the original amount of faith that God gives to every single individual. So how do I activate that faith that God has already given me? He's put it in me. If you've never seen a miracle, you've still got faith. You've never seen a blind eye open. You've got faith. If you've never seen a lame walk, you've got faith. Because it's put in you. It's given to every man and every woman, that's mankind, every single human being, a measure of faith. How do I activate it? Well, Matthew 17, and what the Lord told the disciples, is the secret to how to activate it. He said, if you'll speak to the mountain. In other words, the way you activate The faith that God has put inside of you is that you speak it. Because you and I are influenced by what we hear. 
So we need to hear ourselves speak in faith more than we hear the world speaking doubt. <laughs> I told you I was going to give you all a secret formula. Some of y'all trying to take all this in. I'm telling you, this is the secret. You see, we can hear a lot of voices out there. People can say this and that. You know, some, a doctor can tell you, you're going to die. And you get along with God, and you can read the Word of God. I, I remember Bishop Myers telling me he went in for open-heart surgery 18 years ago. And uh, we were all concerned about him. He was going to do a triple bypass. And uh, the next morning we went in there, and he said, God gave me a scripture last night. We said, yeah, what is it? He said, there's a scripture. David said, I will live and not die. He said, so everything's going to be fine. And you know what? The Bible was right. 18 years later, I will live and not die. I'm going to tell you what, we believe everybody else. That's why I believe Isaiah said, whose report shall we believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Sometimes you've got to get in the word of God and say, I believe the promises of God. I don't see how it's going to happen, but every day I get up, I'm going to speak the promises of God. I'm going to say, God, your word is true. Your promises are forever settled in heaven. I believe it and I speak it. That will activate faith because all of us have got faith, but some of our faith is inactive. It's laying down there in the bottom of our souls, dormant. Activate it. What activates it? Speaking the promises of God. I shall recover. I shall live again. God is my comforter. God is my strength. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Or the devil try to get up there and put all kind of stuff in your head. You're a sinner. You've made too many mistakes. You're not ever going to make it. You're going to be a hypocrite going down there and worshiping, lifting up your hands, going out of the altar. I know who you are. I know what you've thought of this week. I know the stuff you put in your brain. You blah, 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 blah. If you listen to that stuff, all that faith just sort of wants to shrivel up on the inside of you. That's why you got to get the word of God out. Hallelujah. That's why you ought to have faith from even hearing the preaching of the word of God. Because the Bible said faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because if I can hear the word of God and the promises of God, I can begin to speak it into my own life. I can be like Paul that says, I know the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do from Romans 7. But by the time he got to Romans 8, he said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Sometimes you got to speak the word of God yourself. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If I can get my arms around joy by serving, giving, and sacrificing. If I can get my arms around faith by speaking and believing. These are the instruments that move the miraculous into our lives. And that secret formula, real living, abundant life, is not a fairy tale, ladies and gentlemen. It is real. It is eternal life. And then finally, in Acts chapter 2, when that crowd gathered around the upper room, they asked Peter, what must we do? If I can rephrase that, what is the secret formula? We know we are sinners. We know we missed the Messiah. We crucified him. But what must we do to be saved? What's the formula? What's the secret? What's the plan? How do we make it right? 
Then Peter said unto them, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. What's the first thing out of Peter's mouth? Repent. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Repentance. Repentance is something that God can never turn away from. No matter what you've done in your past, if you have a humble heart and you just simply say, Lord, I'm sorry. What gets abundant life at your doorstep and at my doorstep is repentance. God cannot stay away from a humble heart and a contrite spirit. And when you repent, if a person is willing to just obey and repent, ladies and gentlemen, the God of glory comes near to you. Just through repenting. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift everybody say the gift that's the well gift of the Holy Ghost say oh pastor I'd love to receive the Holy Ghost how do I receive it I gave you the secret formula today joy faith and repentance you put joy with faith which is just believing I believe the Word of God. I believe that if I will ask God to forgive me of my sins and then worship Him with joy, He will lead me to that well and fill me with His Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, it's God's desire to give every single human being on this planet a well of living water. This is what He said in John 7, a well living waters that will flow from your innermost being so that the source is no longer something outside it's literally bubbling up from within you say oh pastor i've heard of that, that but you don't know what all i've done you don't know all that i've been through but if you will just ask god to forgive you and if you will just believe that god has some great promise he has some great destiny for your life. Where you are today is not the final chapter in your life. There is a well. There is a God that has something great for you. You can't see it right now. The life that you're living in, you're probably, you know, surrounded by circumstances that are shouting something totally different than what I'm telling you from the Word of God today. But if you can repent, if you can believe, and if you can mix that with the joy of expectation ladies and gentlemen he will give you that well of living water springing up on the inside this is what they experienced in Acts 2 and Acts 8 and Acts 10 and Acts 19 and throughout that New Testament church they found the secret formula this is why the Bible says that they had great faith and great joy because faith and joy mixed together creates this path this formula for God's spirit not just being out there in the atmosphere but actually being in your life would you stand to your feet today thank you Lord you say pastor what you know God that we serve is such a, a God of evidence he he's a God that gives us tangibles that we can sink our teeth into. He's not just some mysterious 
spirit out there beyond the Milky Way. But he's a God that's alive and real and you can feel him and know him. The Bible said even when you receive his spirit, this gift, that there will be evidence of that. In the book of Acts, we read that the evidence of that is that they received joy, they received his spirit, and they begin to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. Speaking out words that they did not even understand, a language that they didn't even understand. It's a heavenly language. We've seen people over the years in this church by the thousands receive this tremendous experience. Every week people are receiving the Spirit of God. This well, ladies and gentlemen, is flowing. It's not drying up. It's flowing today just as it did from the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. God's not running out of power. He's still just as strong, just as mighty. He's bigger than every obstacle. All you got to do is say, Lord, I believe. When I ask you to forgive me of every sin, I wonder if every head would be bowed right now, every eye closed. I wonder right now if you would just pray in your own words or maybe just from your own spirit. Would you say right now, Lord, forgive me of every sin, every thought, anything I've done, Lord, this week or this month, this year that hasn't been pleasing to you. You may not even know of anything, but just say, Lord, I want my heart to be humble before you today. I wonder right now why every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you would just repent and say, God, cleanse me, wash me from the inside out. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Calvary, your blood that was shed. Where would I be without you, Lord? Lord, I'm so thankful. So thankful, God, you didn't give up on me. I gave up on myself, God. You were still there. You've kept me, Lord. You've directed me all these years. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit that's working even right now. I'm asking you, Lord, just to forgive me and cleanse my heart. Wash me as white as snow right now in the name of Jesus. That's it. Just talk to the Lord like you would your best friend. God will come close to you as you repent and ask God to forgive you of every sin. And as you begin to repent and pray, you'll begin to feel faith rise up in your heart because all of these things work together. I wonder right now if you could just exercise that faith by speaking the promises of God's Word. Whatever God has put in your heart, maybe it's been a promise He's given you some years ago. Maybe it's been something you have felt recently. Maybe it's faith to believe for an unsaved loved one. Maybe an unsaved spouse, child. Maybe it's something that you're battling in your own body right now, some sickness or something that somebody has told you that they don't see any improvement. But somehow through the Word of God today, you feel like God's given you a word. He's given you a promise. It's going to be all right. I wonder right now, would you speak forth in faith, whatever it is that you feel God wants to do in your life, would you speak that forth right now? If you've never received the Holy Ghost, would you speak that forth and say, I will live and not die. I shall be saved. Come on, the devil's told you you're not going to make it, but you said, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get to the other side. God is my strength. God is my help. God is my fortress. God's not giving up on me. Lord, I speak forth your promises today. This promise is unto you and to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Come on, the devil's told you your kids will never be saved, but today you feel faith coming up in your heart. And you said, I'm going to speak forth the word of God right now and say, my son or my daughter shall return to you, Lord. That's it. Use your voice right now. Speak forth 
the promises of God's Word. Would you do that? Take just a few moments right now and speak forth the promises of God's Word. Use your mouth and speak it forth. That's it. You've got to use your own mouth. The Bible says in Matthew 17, you speak to the mountain and it shall be removed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, as you begin to speak forth the promises of God's Word, God will begin to give you joy, unspeakable joy. You say, Pastor, I don't really feel that yet. Here's what I want you to do. If you're willing to worship God with the joy of expectation and anticipation, we still got a few minutes this morning. I want to ask you to step out from where you're standing, walk down to this altar. And when you come, you say, Lord, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship you with joy. And I'm going to expect my miracle to take place. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, you can receive it this morning as you make your way down to this altar. If you need a healing in your body, if you're coming and believe in God to do something miraculous in your life, your family, your finances, it doesn't matter what it is. But if you can come down to this altar right now and you can say, Lord, I'm coming with joy. I'm going to worship you with anticipation, expectation, and believe that anything is possible I believe God will give you the desires of your heart today. Everybody say today. You don't have to wait for a more convenient season. You don't have to wait for another Sunday service. You can receive what God has for you right now today. Come on, just step out of where you're standing. People are coming from all over the building. Make your way down to the front right now. Come on down here. Bring a song in your heart. Bring a worship in your mouth. We come down here. We've already asked God to forgive us, so we're going to come down here, lift up our hands and lift up our voices and begin to worship Him with a spirit of anticipation. Oh, that's beautiful. Take your neighbor by the hand. Bring him down here with you. Come on, here we come. In the name of Jesus Christ, God's got something fresh. God's got something right now that is of value that He has for every one of us. If you're not comfortable coming down to the front, even where you're standing in your pew right now, you can lift up your hands right now all over the building. Would you lift up your voice right now? And would you begin to worship the Lord and thank Him for your miracle? Would you do that? That's it. Offer up the sacrifice of praise and joy will come. That's it. Offer up the sacrifice of praise and joy will come. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's it. People are going to come and pray with you right now. Lift up your voice. Lift up your hands. Lift up your heads. And begin to declare the promises of God. God's got something for you.